Uh, we were there, um, we ministered in at least eight, we were there with Alejandro Arias. Um, uh, some of y'all know him, he's an evangelist, uh, very uh, great guy, amazing guy. We went down there and ministered with him and uh, connected to some of the churches down there. Uh, we ministered in at least eight churches, spoke in three pastor's conferences, not one, not two, but three, one in Montevideo, Uruguay, one in Buenos Aires, and then one in uh, Salta, which is a uh, church to the north of the city, um, spoke, uh, probably taught in at least four of the churches, and then uh, just did a lot of ministry. And so we saw a lot of people get saved, a lot of people come to Jesus, which was beautiful. Um, got to try to coach and influence these pastors a little bit towards um, some greater things, trying to help them in the practical. And we saw some crazy miracles. And so say this with me, there are signs and there are wonders. So, I mean, well, first thing I want to say is that Elevate represented itself very, very well. The team did a great job. And uh, my heart is, is if we go to these places, that we go and these churches are never the same when we go or that the area is never the same. Um, I'd have no intention of going somewhere and uh, painting walls and building benches. I'm not against painting churches and building benches in their churches. I'm not against that. It's just that that's not really why I'm coming. You can get lots of other, hey, thanks, man. Phoenix, you're the man. You're the man. You're getting that, you're getting that cup of cold water prophet blessing, aren't you, huh? He heard me say that one time, and ever since then, he's been bringing me water. So <laughs> he's like, I'm in on that. So, uh you know, that's just not our heart. That's not what we go. We try to go there and bring what, what we bring and do what others are not willing to do or what others just from their theological paradigms cannot do. And so we come to bring the Holy Spirit. And um, the church is very hungry for it. And so, you know, it's crazy because there's so many things that God did. It's almost, it, it's almost you know, trivial to talk about things. But there's, there's a couple that I really want to emphasize. Well, th this isn't really one that I want to emphasize. I was thinking about this morning. This girl had a dislo. She was born with a dislocated knee her whole life. So when she taught, when she walked, her knee, she never had strength in her knee. And she couldn't run or anything. We got, so you'll see this on video. We got to kind of aggregate the videos. We have a lot of videos. And God just realigned her knee. And this chick's running. Uh, you know, I bring her out in the yard. She starts running around the yard. I'm like, she's kicking soccer balls. Crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. A woman with lacerated tendons in her wrist. You know? And uh, her hand is completely healed. Um, you'll, I have a video of a guy who was paralyzed. He only had 16% of the use of, his, of the right side of his body. You're going to see this guy. I got, we have that on. We got his testimony. But um, a couple of the wonders, those are the signs. Those are the good ones. But then there's stuff that's wonders. And you know what a wonder is? It's when God does something, you're like, I wonder how that happened. <laughs> what just happened? There's this little girl. She's born with a deformed arm. Uh, where was this? This was Uruguay. And so when we were in Uruguay, this little girl was born with a deformed arm, and they bring her to me, and so I start praying for her. And um, uh, I like miracles, personally. I like miracles. And so sometimes to see the miracle happen, you must work the miracle. This is what Bible, the Bible says, the working of miracles. It's not just miracles, boom, miracle. No, it's the working of miracles. You have to work the miracle. And so a lot of times our paradigm, especially if you're in charismatic churches, is it's just somebody running down the line, slapping everybody on the head, going boom, sh bam, shakalaka, bam, shakalaka, you know, going down the line, and then everybody falls out, and we think they're healed. You know, maybe, maybe not. But 
So I work the mirror. I like to I like to see what God wants to do, and if He wants to do it, then I'm going to go in on it. So we're working with this girl. We're working with this little girl. She's tres años, right? Three years old, right? Hey, my Spanish got my. I've improved my Spanish. I was immersing. Milagros in el nombre de Jesús, and everybody's like, ah. miracles in the name of Jesus. I know that one. Espiritu Santo. They play that song like crazy. So uh, this little girl comes up to me. She's there. We're praying for her, working through it. Do a couple, do, do everything. And then I told the mother, the mother's standing behind her. So she had a deformed arm. She had a bone sticking out of her back. And, um, you know, and of course, the mom, this little girl, I mean, you know, they don't, they don't have access to what we have access. That's why, you know, if you have a deformed leg, you're going to walk around and your leg's going to like, Weeble wobble for the rest of your life, or if you're a little girl with an arm like this, you're gonna go. This is how you're gonna be for the rest of your life. And so the mom brought her to me, and then I told the mom, I said, "You're gonna pray for her." And I said, "I'm gonna lay hands on her. You're gonna lay hands on her. You're gonna pray what I tell you to pray." And so we're praying for her, and we're laying hands on her, and I'm telling the mom what to pray. And the mom's praying it. And the mom just starts weeping and crying. And so the little girl's standing in front of me, and I got my hand on her head, and the little girl's crying. And then she hears her mom. Her head's down. She hears her mom crying, so she starts crying. Right? Little girl's crying, and I'm like, oh, man. You know, and, and then the little girl looks up at me with tears in her eyes. And when she looks right up at me in the face, and her arm goes like this. Ah, <laughs> oh, come on. And so we have video of her afterwards where she's moving her arm, and she's doing all this. Right? Come on. So good. And gets better. So the mom starts crying. She's freaking out. She's hugging the kid. She's rubbing the child's back. And then she takes the girl's shirt and she pulls the shirt up really fast. And the bone was gone. That bone that was sticking out of her back. It was gone. The only thing left was like, it was, this is wild. Because there's a red circle on her back right where her shoulder was. And there's a red circle. And I was looking at it. It looked like about the size of a half dollar or like a silver dollar. And I was looking at it. I was like, man, why is that there? And I felt like it was, it was because of where the bone was pushing against the skin. And so all of the redness, the inflammation of where the bone had been pushing against the skin is completely gone. It was insane. It's insane. That's one of those where you're standing there and Leah, Leah's the interpreter, you all know Leah. You know, I wish we would have had on video. It's worth it just to hear Leah's freaking out. She's like, oh my gosh. Leah was losing it. She's like, Pastor, this is real. This is real. It's crazy. So that was beautiful. And then uh, when we were in uh, Buenos Aires, uh, the churches that let us minister a long time and didn't put us on the clock, uh, that's the ones where we saw a lot of miracles. Some of the churches put us on the clock, and they're like, you got 30 minutes. And I'm like, okay, we got 30 minutes. Let's just see what we can do here. But the churches that let us go, that's when we saw, like, a lot of stuff happen. And uh, we minister till 12, 1230 at night, <laughs> you know, get up in the morning, sleep, get up and do it again. So it was like 12-day immersion in Jesus, right? It's immersed. So, amen? Come on. Yeah, yeah. So we're at this church in Buenos Aires, really great pastor, Pastor Andreas, and I just shout out to all the pastors that, that allowed us there, and shout out to Alejandro. And um, uh, so we're in, in uh, Buenos Aires, and this little girl, this woman, she's like in her 20s, and she comes up to me. You know, they, they like push them up to you. It's like they're not like, you know, here, you know, everybody's fighting. You know, you're like, okay, all right, everybody calm down here. So there's a lot going on. But this woman, this young girl come up to me, and I felt like I should work with her. And she comes up to me, and she's got glasses that are like the bottom of a Coke bottle. They're super thick. And I ask her what, what's going on. And she says, since I've been four years old, I've been going blind. And um, she says, the doctors say that I'll eventually go blind. 
And so I said, well, did Jesus tell you you're going to go blind? And she said, no. And I said, so you don't believe you're going to go blind. And so I asked her, I said, what happened to you at four years old? I said, what is it that you saw that you didn't want to see? And she said, my father used to beat my mother. And so, long story short, we work the miracle. She has 95%, 85 or 90 I can't remember. I think she had 15%. She could only see with her glasses off. She could only see from this distance. She couldn't see anything else. That was all she could see. And her mom told me afterwards that she had been to the doctor the week before, and they wanted to increase her prescription again. And so anyway, we, you know, do the thing. And, um, and I told her, uh, you know, just I'm trying to listen to what the Lord's telling me to do. And so I told her, squint her eyes. And, and then, I, you know, this is at the end. And then I laid hands on her, on, her, on, her, on her eyes again. And I told her to open her eyes. And she opened her eyes, and she looked around. And then she just grabs me. And she's like right in front of me. She's just <laughs> sobbing. You know, I got makeup all over my, you know, because I wear black shirts. So, you know, hey, it's what I do. And so she, I have makeup all over me. And this girl's crying. I just let her cry and let her sob. And then I asked her, I said, are you okay? And she looks at me, you know, real pretty young girl. And I said, you're too beautiful to be behind those glasses. That's what I told her. And I said, uh, and she looks up at me and she's like, I can see. I'm like, you can see? And she's like, I can see. <laughs> And I started telling her, I said, so tell me what you can't see. Tell me what you can see. And she, there's a guy standing over by the door. And this is a funny story, too. And she points out this guy standing over by the door. And she says, I can see him. I said, the man over by the door? She said, yeah. Now, remember, she can only see this far. She can see this far. And I said, what shirt's he, like, what color shirt is he wearing? She's like, he's wearing a yellow sweater. And um, this guy with the yellow sweater, this guy had some kind of thing going on with his stomach. And we prayed for him. And it just went flat, you know, just gone, Right? So this dude, this dude the whole night, this dude the whole night is standing in a room and he's just staring at me like the whole room. After that, the every, you know, every time I would pray for someone and I'd look up, that dude would be staring at me. I'm like, bro, you're creeping me out, man, you know. <laughs> but that was, the, that was the guy she pointed to. And so it was amazing. It was really, really powerful. And I went up to the pastor and I said, you see how thick her glasses are? He said, I know. She comes to my church. He's like, I've known her for a long time. And they're just totally freaking out. And it's just Jesus, you know. It's just the Lord showing up. Amen. Yeah. It's, it's our inheritance. It's supernatural signs and wonders. And it's like, you know, there's no doubt. There's no doubt, you know. I mean, we took a team down there that had never experienced anything like that. And, and uh, my interpreter, um, I was, we, would, we would have some of the common things. And somebody would come up and it would be something that we'd, we'd seen healed. And I looked at her and I said, what do you think? So we think Jesus is going to do here. And uh, Leah looked at me and she goes, this girl's going to get, this woman's going to get healed. And so she got healed. And um, so we had several things. You're going to see, the, I'm going to show you this two-minute video. This guy, I think his name is Eduardo. And he was at 16% use down the side of his body, this guy right here. So. Go ahead, Eduardo. Since a year ago, um, he was uh, disabled because of an accident that he had at work. Wow. And he had a possibility of 12% He only had 12% of use on his arm and his, and his um, 12%. No tenía este movimiento, he couldn't, no podía hacer porque no había mucho. He couldn't do that with his arm because it would hurt too much. 
Y el día viernes, eh, mientras se realizaba acá, On Friday, while we were sentí el fuego de Dios que estaba recorriendo por todo mi brazo y por todo mi cuerpo. He felt the fire of God that he was going all over his arm, his hand, and his body. Pero también, eh, eh, esto no terminó acá porque después, en la segunda administración, eh, se ora por, por, por la última verte de la columna. But he didn't finish there because then we went ahead and we prayed for his back. La cual, esto va a ser de más de siete años que tenía. The one that he has been suffering for more than seven years. Wow. Es que la no me siento nada. And now he doesn't feel anything. Amen. Amen. El dolor desapareció. The pain is gone. Show them what you couldn't do. Demuéstrale lo que tú no podías hacer antes, Eduardo. Comienza con el brazo. He's going to start with his arm. Y la mano. And his, and his um, hand and his arm. Wow. Permiso. Esto no lo podía hacer. Así. I couldn't, I couldn't do this. Esto, esto no lo podía hacer. Esto no lo podía hacer. Porque el médico me dijo, cuando me tomó el examen, dice, tú tienes una impulsividad. Y esto lo va a hacer de por vida. Pero esto no es de por vida. Porque el rey de reyes y señores, señores. Aleluya. So this guy, we, we prayed, we were ministering in their church on Friday, and then I taught in this church on Sunday, and so he comes up to me. He's like shaking my hand and grabbing me and squeezing my hand. And I told him, I said, dude, you're going to have to challenge the church to an arm wrestling contest now. You haven't had, he hasn't had use of his hand for a long time. And I didn't know, he, I didn't know he had 16%. I didn't know that. And I didn't know he had a back injury for seven years. That's, what, that's why I was like, wow, I didn't know that. We were in um, Czech Republic, and a uh, guy hadn't used his right arm for 30 years. I showed you guys the video. 30 years. Can you imagine not being able to use your right arm for 30 years? And he had been to doctors, and they said, there's too much damage. There's nothing that we can do. You know, you're just going to have to live with it. And um, the Lord healed him, I mean, completely. And he's got his arm up and everything, and it was just, that was crazy, too. 30 years. And then the, my wife was saying, you know, if you look on the video, because his, his, his shoulder blade, his scapula, was sticking out of his shirt. You know, you could literally see it when he walked. And when, when God healed his arm, Sherry was saying, you can just see the where the shirt was stretched out from where his bone was. And just beautiful and just amazing. And I think sometimes, you know, we get all super excited. And I'm all into super excited with the beauty of the moment. When you watch what Jesus does, and then you just kind of go, what? You know, it was just beautiful. It's just so, so beautiful and so compassionate. And there was a guy that was there, and this guy's like a little loony. Nobody knew what to do with him, so there's just all the psycho stuff. They're just like, Pastor Kevin is right over there, you know, so I kept getting, you know, like, what do we got? Um, okay, you can go over there and see the pastor. He's right over there. So I kept getting, which is fine, bring it on. And so uh, this guy brought his wife and asked me to pray for cancer. That was amazing. And, um, uh, and, I've, and I've been getting cancer patients' testimonies. I said, look, here's the number. You know, here's our WhatsApp. I want to know. I want to know because I believe they're going to be healed. I mean, I, you know, it's just a long story. But uh, the wife was there, and then the husband came, and he said, will you pray for me? And um, <laughs> this was amazing. I mean, it, it, to tell the story is one thing, to, like, watch it and then to see the person's face, and you can just feel what just happened for this person. 
you know? And uh, this guy had a lot of crazy thoughts in his head, and he was very confused and um, a lot of brokenness. And his wife says he's just very confused. And so I asked him, I said, um, I said, was somebody verbally abusive to you as a child? And he said, uh, my mother was very verbally abusive, and she, used to, she was very violent with me. And, um, you know, so this kid, he's, his identity's cracked, you know. He's fractured from the trauma. And so, you know, working the miracle, same thing. Working a miracle, guy's completely different. Like, like he's like, I, he was hearing voices, all kinds of crazy things. And, I mean... We ministered to that guy, and that guy's standing there just staring at me when it's over. He's like, I don't feel anything. He's like, I feel nothing. He's like, it's all gone. I don't, I, I don't feel. Oh, yeah, man. It's crazy. <laughs> I said, I told Leah, I said, if he does, I could, I could tell this guy anything right now, and he's going to, he'll do it. If you want to do jumping jacks or whatever, because they're just, it's just amazing. It's just amazing. It's just the beauty and the power of God. You know, it's the beauty and the power of God. We're going to have trips coming up this year. And uh, if you've never been and you want to go, you, you should sign up for the trips. And um, we have some ba- Firestarters as part of the training. And if you've not been to Firestarters, you should go to Firestarters. But there's not one person on the team that didn't see something happen. Not one person. And I think this one church that we went to, um, Sherry said, I think every single person got healed that night. Can you imagine? Hold on a second. Just, just wait a second. You tell me where that happens. You tell me. And that's always been my heart. My heart is, is that when this church shows up, that we impact these churches. That when this church shows up, that there's a difference made. And that's exactly it. You know, that's, that's what I want. I, I ask the Lord, I want disciples. I want this church to have disciples like no other. And I want this church to have, have people like no other. That when they encounter somebody from Elevate, they're like, where the heck, where are you from? You know, because we're not common. We're exceptional. Right? We're exceptional among the exceptional. We are the elite. You say, oh, you're, you're a little cocky there, Kevin. No, I'm not cocky. I'm confident. You know? I'm confident. I'm confident. I'm absolutely certain. I mean, I can walk in a room and you're like, this one church we were there and uh, Pastor Andreas and no one was coming forward. And so I'm like, okay. And I look around, I see a guy being highlighted. And this was wild. Try this one on. This, and, and there's a guy sitting down in there and, and I, I, I bring him up. And he comes up there. He's like, me? I'm like, yeah. And I go, what's wrong? And he's like, I have a soccer player. I have a really bad leg injury. He's like, I can't lift my leg. I can't, I can't do anything. So no, long story short, work it with him, pray. Guy's doing like roundhouse kicks after that. You know, he's like, ha, 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 ha. You know, he's kicking his leg and swinging his leg. After that happened, the whole room got up and came forward. You know, I'm like, I'm like, okay. Then the whole room came up. And I knew, I knew for sure. I knew God was going to heal him. I just knew it. I'm like, this, this isn't even a question. God's going to heal this guy. And so it happens. So we would encourage you to be a part of that. And I feel like this church has a global mandate. And there's a lot of opportunities. And I'm just trying to figure it all out. Um, you know, so it's, it's, it's good stuff. It's wonderful things. And um, so, yeah, if you've never been and you want to go, this team wasn't, these weren't, these weren't even our most highly trained at all. And some of these Christians had never seen anything before. And the one church, I, I, you know, Sherry said, I think everyone got healed. I said, I, I would dare say 90% of them got healed. 90%. You know, most evangelists will tell you that 18% is the typical average when they do healing. So if they pray for 100 people, they're only seeing maybe 18% get healed. And we didn't see 18% get healed. I'm like, well, we can do better than 18%. You know, we can do better than that. So anyway, the Lord is alive, Christian. He's not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. 
He's not the God of doctrine. He's the God of miracle power. You shall receive what when the Spirit comes upon you? You're going to get doctrine? You're going to get cool hair and a fancy Instagram account? You will get an Instagram account that will be amazing when the Spirit comes upon you. You'll get cool hair and cool clothes when the, when the Spirit comes upon you. And we get cool hair, and I'm all in on cool hair and cool clothes. I wish I had some more cool hair that I could, I could rock through. I'm all in on that. But we cannot facade cool hair and cool clothes as, as a front for an absence of power. Paul said, I didn't come to you in cunning words. I came to you in demonstration and power. If you know the story in the book of Corinthians, the church is kind of going all these different directions, and they have, the Bible says, super apostles. So they had all the dudes coming in with the flexing, woo, oons, 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 right? All show, no go. They had really killer clothes, killer hairs, killer social media profiles, dazzling words, and they were talking to the people, and the church was impressed. And they actually started, they were, they were rejecting Paul because they're like, Paul, dude, you're not like these guys. You know, these guys, have you seen what these guys wear? Have you heard the way these guys talk? These guys are crazy. They got 250 Instagram thousand followers. Paul, what do you got, 15? And Paul said, I did not come to you in the cunning words of men. I came to you in the demonstration of the spirit and power. In other words, they got all that. But let's see him demonstrate the kingdom. That's what he was saying. And he said, so that your faith would not be in the words, in the, in, the, in the dazzling words of man, but your faith would be in the kingdom and the power. That you would know that Jesus was re- is real and that you would see. So th- that's what the disciples said. These things that we have seen, these things that we have heard, we touched it. We laid hold of this kingdom. It was in our hands. We saw it. This is gospel, Christian. This is New Testament, Christian. You got me? No? Is this too close? Am I offending the American brand of Christianity? Is that what I'm doing? The American brand of Christianity is being offended. I don't want the American brand of Christianity. I want the kingdom brand of Christianity. You know what I'm saying? We want the kingdom. We want the dominion. We want the power. We want to see the Lord of of, of the living. You don't ever have to worry and say, was Jesus willing to heal? He would have healed all night. We could have went till 4 in the morning. They could have went and got a bus and brought more more people there, and the Lord would have kept healing all night, all night. You say, oh, I don't know. Is it God's will to heal? We were there 12 days, every single day, every single day, every single setting. It didn't matter where we were. Every single day, every single setting. It's always God's will to heal. It's always God's will to heal. Always. Another story, another day. I want to talk to you about the, uh, I'm talking about the kingdom of God. That's what I want to talk to you about. All right? So hopefully I didn't talk myself out of this message. No, I'm, I'm better. I'm better this service than I was first service. <laughs> I want to talk to you about the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? It's the king's dominion. Jesus said, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world. And then the end shall come. When you guys figure out how to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom in all the world, then the end shall come. It's not the gospel of salvation, crickets. It's not the gospel of salvation. Salvation is part of the gospel of the kingdom, but it's not the gospel, but it's not the gospel of salvation. Jesus told us to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom. Jesus said, repent for the what? 
is at hand. The kingdom. He didn't say repent for salvation is at hand. He said repent for the king's dominion is at hand. Now that, all the theological, all the theological snobs out there are going to say, what about salvation? Of course it's salvation. Salvation is the doorway into the kingdom. You can't be in the kingdom, manifest the kingdom, be a part of the kingdom without salvation. Salvation is the door. It's not the whole package. You get me? And so it's the gospel of the kingdom, the king's dominion. What does that mean? It's when God's ruling, reigning power shows up and cancels everything else. It's when a home that looks like it's going to be broken and the dominion of God comes in and says no. It's when, it's when a girl who's been told since she's four years old that she's going blind and the kingdom shows up and says, nah, that's the king's dominion. It's healing, it's hope, it's restoration, it's turnaround, people's lives being turned around, you know, going in one direction and the dominion of God, the rulership of God. When we partner with the rulership of God, it takes us in another direction. The king's dominion, it is, it is the epicenter of the gospel. It's the epicenter. Why don't we preach it? Well, I would say ignorance or arrogance, or I'll give you another one. <gasps> Do I say it? Do I say it? Yeah, I'm going to say it. Cowardice. We create doctrines to excuse the lack of power. We think our strength is in our doctrine. I'm all in on doctrine. I love doctrine. God help me. I could teach doctrine. Doctrine, doctrine, doctrine. I can teach doctrine. I can know how to teach doctrine. I can break it down upside, up one side and down the other. I know all of, the, all of the doctrines of the Bible. I know them. If the doctrines of the Bible produce transformation, we'd have an entirely different church. Because <laughs> it doesn't. The book of Acts didn't have doctrine. Do you know that? Or the, book, the, the early Christians, they didn't have doctrine. They did not have doctrine. Do you know what they had? The Holy Spirit. Read the book of Corinthians. They didn't have doctrine. Good Lord. Christians gone wild. They just got spirit power and they're just like, woo, let's go. Let's prophesy. You know, they're going crazy. And Paul never took away from them. He never told them to stop. He just put it into a frame. He said, you guys are a little too crazy, right? Paul's like, I'm all in on wild, but this is a little too wild. And so he reframed them. That's all Corinthians is. They didn't have doctrine. They had the Holy Spirit. That's not to exclude doctrine and say doctrine doesn't matter. Doctrine absolutely matters. But doctrine can choke out the power of the Spirit very, very easily. How do you know? Because I've been there. I've been there. I'm a word guy. I'm a word guy from the jump. I'm all in on word. But the word is the accessory to the Spirit. It's not spirit without word. It's not word without spirit. It's word and spirit. And we have to learn to navigate between both of them. And we cannot exclude one or exclude the other. We have to learn to bring them together. That's the power. The kingdom is deeply related to the Holy Spirit. Say it with me. I cannot have kingdom without the active presence of the Holy Spirit. I cannot manifest kingdom. Well, you can help me. You cannot manifest kingdom. Say it to your neighbor. You cannot manifest kingdom without the Holy Spirit. We can't. Jesus said when the Holy Spirit comes, he will lead you into all truth. He will show you what is to come. So the Holy Spirit is our revelator. He's our guide. 
He's the one who reveals. The Holy Spirit shows us what's to come. He's our prophetic. There you have revelation and prophetic right there. Hello. And then you have, then he says, he will take from what is mine. Jesus said, all that the Father has belongs to me. Everything, I and the Father are one. Everything the Father has is mine. The Holy Spirit will take from what is mine and manifest it to you. Do you understand that? The things of this kingdom cannot be manifest without the Holy Spirit. And I'm not talking about, hey, Holy Spirit, over there. I'm talking about knowing the Holy Spirit, communing with the Holy Spirit. That's what I'm talking about. He takes from what belongs to Jesus and he makes it known. So this is why we can't manifest dominion, because we can't manifest the king's dominion without the active power and presence of the Holy Spirit. You get me? This is what Jesus said. So who is the Holy Spirit? He's a person. He's not a thing. He's not an it. He's not an essence. He's not an atmosphere. He's a person. The Bible says he has a will. The Bible says he has a mind. Huh? He teaches. He leads. He distributes. He can be grieved. He's a person. He's Father, Son, and Spirit, three yet one, three distinct personalities, uh, people, gods, yet they are united as one. You say, I don't understand that. No one does. No one does. If you can understand that, you're God. The Bible says we see in a mirror dimly. We can get a faint understanding of what that's like. But when fullness comes, when we come before the Lord, we'll be able to understand it. You're like, oh, that's what it is. So right now we don't understand that. But what we do know is we have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they're each distinct and unique. And the Holy Spirit is the one who partners with us in this world. Jesus, sent the, Jesus prayed the Father. The Father sent the Spirit, right? Because Christ Jesus was in the world. So he prayed and asked the Father to send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit came. The Holy Spirit comes. And so the Holy Spirit is the one who is with us now. So without the Holy Spirit, we might be saved, but we cannot bring forth any inheritance whatsoever. None. We need the Holy Spirit. He is the administrator of the government of heaven. He is the one who administrates the government of heaven. The government of heaven does not manifest on your terms. The government of heaven does not manifest on my terms. The government of heaven manifests on the Holy Spirit's terms. So when you're in partnership with the Holy Spirit, this is how he brings it forth. Now, I'm going to get too deep into that. So what does it mean? He's the administrator. He releases the kingdom. He manifests it. He takes from what is the Lord's and makes it his. We know of the Holy Spirit, but we don't know him. You all have him. The Bible says he is with you, parakletos. He is in you, Greek word en. And when his power comes upon you, that's that rush that you feel. That's those goosebumps that you feel. That's that elevation that you feel. That's that transcendence that you feel. That's when he's upon you. So we have him, parakletos. He works around us. What's he doing around us? Working all things out to your good. Holy Spirit's working around you. Why? Because you're going to make a mess, right? You're running around making poopy diapers, and the Holy Spirit's the one going, okay, i got to clean this mess up, right? He's working around you. People do things to you, and he's working around you, parakletos, right? That's the Greek word. There's three, three, three words for the Holy Spirit. Well, there's more, but his function is there's three. Well, yeah, well, the word comforter, counselor, helper is the word parakletos. I will pray and the Lord will give you another comforter, counselor, helper. That's, that's what that word, it means, it means to orbit. It's actually a very similar word, this is interesting, to the, to the role that the wife plays in the relationship. She orbits the husband, cleaning up all his messes. Hello, ladies. Socks, dishes, no, I'm just kidding, kidding, kidding. No, but she, she orbits him. She's a strength that orbits. 
Ezra Kenedgo in the book of Hebrews, right? That's the word for woman too. She, she's a strength that adds. So she's not your competition. She's a strength that adds. Apostolic team. God sends them in twos. Husband and wife are to be an apostolic team. They're to work together. Another story, another day. So we know of him, but we don't know him. So what we have to do is we have to begin a process of learning to get to know him. You say, how do you do that? You practice the presence. You come to fire starters, we teach you to hear the Lord, right? Come to the school of prophetic, we deepen your understanding to hear the Lord. You know, this is the stuff that we do. Um, you know, we, we try to train you and equip you in this stuff this, to, to get you to understand. Many people have never experienced the Holy Spirit. He's here. He's here to tell you. So here's the deal. I'm going to skip down a little bit. The Holy, say this with me, Holy Spirit manifests, makes known the kingdom when we align with the kingdom. So the Holy Spirit makes known when we align with purpose, right? When we align with presence and when we align with, with the, uh, the principles of the kingdom. This is how the Holy Spirit makes known. When you move into your purpose, the Holy Spirit starts manifesting. What's your purpose? Have you ever heard that you're all created on purpose with a purpose? The Holy Spirit does not manifest according to your purpose, the one you want. This is what I want. I want to win American Idol, Holy Spirit. Align with my purpose. Kevin, you can't carry a tune in a bucket. You're not winning American Idol. Just not going to happen, right? I want to play quarterback for the Dolphins. Bro, it's not going to happen. We somehow think that the Holy Spirit is going to align with what we want. He doesn't align with what we want. Again, contrary to American teaching, that's not the way this works. He aligns with how he has created us. We are created on purpose with a purpose, fearfully and wonderfully made, created for good works, which the Lord has established before the foundations of the world. You have a purpose. You say, well, what about I delight myself in the Lord and the Lord gives me the desires of my heart? Do you know what that really means? Delight is intimacy. Intimacy, the exchange of being, right? So when we delight in the Lord, it's that communion and that exchange of being. And when we, when we begin to exchange our being with the Lord, he sires into your heart, right? Impregnates is the word. He impregnates you, and he will give you what he sires into your heart. It's not what you want. It's what he impregnates you with. And when he impregnates you with this, it's when you're in communal relationship. It all comes back to communion. It all comes back to that place. And so this is how this stuff works. He doesn't just align with random purpose. The Lord's going to give you your best life now. And I'm kind of like, no, he's not. The Lord's going to give you your dreams. Jesus is going to make all your dreams come true. This is stuff we teach. And I'm like, it's not gospel. It's all good for a little rah-rah, but at the end of the day, it doesn't produce. It doesn't manifest. Don't you want it to manifest? Don't you want it to come forth? Aren't you tired of talking about it? Don't you want to see it? Right? Come on. I got one. <laughs> we find what the purpose is. What is my purpose? Commune with me. I'm trying to, okay, I'll just give you a quick example, right? 
So I'm trying to figure out what God wants me to do. I can feel God, like, okay, I leave this conference, this conference that we were at in, uh, I don't know, okay. I was in Amsterdam, and I was at this evangelism conference that hadn't happened in 50 years. And so it's like this epic moment in time. This conference had not happened. Billy Graham did it 50 years ago, and they haven't had it since. And so they brought together global evangelists, not American evangelists. People were doing this work around the world, and it was insane. It was like, I was in there, and I was like, I need to up my game. That was basically what I was saying. And, uh, you know, and so I leave there, and I'm trying to hear the Lord. What are you saying to me here, Lord? I know I'm here for a reason. What are you saying to me? What are you saying to me? And I could feel he was going to talk to me. I just wasn't the right space. And so, you know, I don't want to get into everything, but um, I'm trying to see if I can share this because I'm like, I don't want to, I'm just you're like boast about myself. Oh, you know, that's not what I'm trying to do. But I was laying in bed and it was like six o'clock in the morning. You know, I used to get up really early, you know, but anyway, I felt like the Holy Spirit was waking me up. I'm like, whoa, 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 you know, I want to sleep. No, but I felt like the Lord was waking me up and I went outside and, um, you know, and I started communing with him or I started, I started asking him and I knew he was going to, I felt like he was going to tell me give me some direction. I, I could feel like what I'd been asking for, he was going to give it to me. And so I went outside, had my pen and paper. Anytime you meet with the Holy Spirit, bring a pen and paper. It's always a good thing. Do you know why? Because he's going to tell you something. Wisdom is poured out in the concourses of the streets. God will pour out wisdom. He says, how long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? It's not that the Lord isn't speaking. It's that we don't know how to listen. We're too busy. We listen to too much other noise. We have to learn to listen. Right? So anyway, I'm ready to listen. And the Lord's like, hey, dude, you know, I'm not just going to tell you. I want some communion here. I want some relationship. Right, ladies? Right? The husband wants to just get to the point. You're like, hold on. We'll get, we'll get to the point. But I want a little communion here. I want a little love exchange before we, you know, get to the point. And all the women said, oh, come on. You can do better than that. You know it's true. And so, the, so I, you know, I start communing with the Lord, and then he starts telling me. He starts telling me what he wants, what, what I feel like. And I, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how we're going to pull it off. But it's something, well, I'll throw it out there. Maybe you guys can help us. I feel like the Lord wants us to um, uh, do our Easter services in a park. And, yes, thank you very much, Allie. I got one. That's all I need. I only need one. I'm in agreement. I just need one more. So I felt like the Lord was telling me as I'm at this conference and all this stuff's going on, I'm like, what do you want for us, Lord? What can we do? And I got all these wild ideas, and I'm like, ah, you know. And I felt like the Lord told me, I want you to do your services outside. I'm like, the whole thing? He's like, the whole thing. It's like, put it public. And I'm like, just for a year? And he's like, why would you stop there? Do it. Do, that, becomes your, that becomes your thing. Now, I have no idea how to do this. We're trying to figure it out. We've been working on it, trying to sort it out. But we want to we do public Easter services. You know, we want to put it, we want to put it out into the out into the um, out into the community, and we want to worship and do do the whole Easter service outside, not in the church, outside of the church, yeah. And so, and we want to, yeah. Come on. We don't know what we're doing, but if you'd like to help with that, Diana will be back. I kind of put her in charge of some of that. So if you want to talk to Diana, say, hey, I'd like to help with the Easter thing. You know, she's probably going to go, what Easter thing? You know, the Easter park thing. She'll go, oh, that one, yeah. So anyway, we want to do that. So another story. But I, I didn't get that idea, you know, and I felt like the Lord told me that, told me that. So we need to understand the kingdom, right? So culture of the world, culture of the church, culture of the kingdom. We don't want to be part of the world's culture. We don't want to be part of the church culture. We want to be part of the kingdom culture. 
right? If you're here, you'll understand this because I'll talk about it many times and I'll never stop talking about this. The culture is a system of thinking. That's what it means. So it says the world, when the Bible talks about a world, it's not talking about a place, it's talking about a system of thought. You are, in, you are in the world, but you're not of it. You're in a system of thinking, but you are not to be of that system of thinking. You are part of a different system of thinking. Church culture is a system of thinking. Not everything that happens in the church is kingdom culture. It's important to know that. We, for some reason, think that everything that goes on in the church is what maybe what, what God wants. No, kingdom culture. And so you have church culture, king, uh, world culture, and then you have the culture of the kingdom. The system of thinking or the, the way that transpires into our lifestyle. And so what we align with is what we manifest. If you align with the system of thinking of the world, that is what you'll bring forth. If you align with the system and the thinking of the church, that is what you'll bring forth. Unless, of course, you're here at Elevate Miami Church because we line up with the kingdom. That's what we do. <laughs> that is what we attempt gloriously to create here is a culture of the kingdom. So I want to talk to you briefly about what the kingdom, what the kingdom culture looks like. Uh, we have to change. If we don't like where we are, we need to change. Say this, the bridge from where I am to where I'm called to go, to where I want to go, or to where I need to go, that bridge is called change. Say this, if I don't change, Nothing is going to change. Mm? You have to change. So we're talking about the kingdom culture. So I'm going to give you six points. I know it sounds like a lot. It's not going to take me that long. Um, the first, so we talk a lot about kingdom culture here, but I haven't really taken the time. I mean, I can define it, but I haven't taken the time to define it. So I want to define for you just a few of the points. There's a lot more than this, but these are some of the highlighted. These are some of the dominant ones. Um, the first one is it's a culture of honor. The kingdom culture is a culture of honor. What is honor? Honor is preference and servitude for another. Heaven itself is, honor is servitude. So heaven itself, the Godhead itself is a culture of honor. The Father honors the Son. The Son honors the Spirit. The Spirit honors the Father. The Father honors the Spirit. The Son honors the Spirit. The Spirit honors the Father. The whole dynamic within the Godhead is honor. It's honor. Servitude, right? That's why that is such a high value in the kingdom. Is it that, it's a culture of honor. Where there, say this with me. Where there is no honor, there is no access. You will access what you honor. Yeah. That works in relationships. If you honor your husband, you'll access him. If you honor your wife, you will access her. If you do not, if you dishonor or disrespect, what do you think is going to happen? Right, same thing. Nothing's going to happen. We have to honor the Lord. We honor the Lord. Say this with me. We honor the Lord in the manner he desires. Not the way we want. Come on. Not the way we want, but the way he wants. So when the Lord is asking us to honor him in a certain way, if you want heaven to move, this is how heaven moves, right? Heaven, the Holy Spirit doesn't do anything except manifest through the alignments of the kingdom. If you are not aligned with the kingdom, the Holy Spirit will not manifest. It's that simple. It's really that simple. So when we honor, the Holy Spirit comes forward in that honor. He moves through that honor. When we honor the Holy Spirit, he manifests. When we honor the Spirit of the Father, he manifests. When we honor the Jesus, he manifests. We sense his presence, right? Do you know what I'm talking about? What are you doing when you're honoring? You're accessing him. You're drawing from him. The Holy Spirit manifests 
through the kingdom. Kingdom alignment of purpose, kingdom alignment of principles, kingdom alignment of power, all of that. And so what does it look like? We serve and honor God. We honor him in the way that he wants us to. When the Lord says, lift up your hands, it's an act of honor. Do you understand that? It's not your thing. It's his thing. It's not what you want. It's what he wants. And what we're to do when we honor God is we're to give him what he wants, not what we want. That's honor. Right? Teach me how to love you. All right? If you're married, I want you to look at your wife. If there's any married people in the room, you look at her. Come ahead. Come on. Husbands, I want some eye contact from the dudes. Dudes, I want eye contact. She's going to love it. You're going to thank me later. Just look, stare her right in the eyes. I want you to hold that. Hold it. Hold it. And I want you to look at her, and I want you to say this. Teach me how to love you. Right. You know Why? Because we're clueless. You don't know how to love that woman. You don't. She has to teach you how to love, how to love her. The same thing with the Lord. The Lord has to teach us how to honor him. You cannot honor your wife in a manner that she does not want. Okay? So I'll give you an example. When I first got married, I'd bring home chocolates and flowers. Do, 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 do got chocolates and flowers. And Sherry would go, okay, thank you. And she'd put it down. It's this whole love language thing. I wasn't speaking her love language. Sherry didn't want gifts. It wasn't what she wanted. I thought she wants gifts. Maybe buy her chocolate. Maybe buy her flowers. It was like I was buying her McDonald's or something. Oh, thank you. Just put that over there. But if I cleaned the house, it was like Barry White was singing. She'd look at me and go, you have never looked so sexy to me in all of my life. The way you move that mop around the floor. Because <laughs> she wants acts of service. If I say to her, if I go to dinner with her and I just look across the table and I just spend quality time with her, right? I can tell you the lid is going to come off the cookie jar. <laughs> do you know why? <laughs> you, you like that, Chuck. See, do you know why? Because I'm speaking her language. If I speak a language to her that she doesn't prefer, it doesn't work. It's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. We have to speak a language that lines up with him, a word of the kingdom. So we have to do what he's asking. Say, so I worship God like this. Well, that's not how the Bible tells you to worship God. That's not what he says, you know. It's a shout to the Lord. It says, lift up your hands. Uh, testify in the assembly. Open your mouth. That's one of the ways that we honor God. And the, and the offering is another way of, of honoring God. There's all these different ways. Come before the Lord with singing. We're supposed to sing. I don't feel like singing. I don't like singing. Well, you better learn. Yeah, learn. The priest didn't know how to play music in David's day. And David said, I want worship around the ark 24-7. And they're like, well, we don't know how to play worship. And David was like, you got, you got 90 days to learn. So you all better be taking some, you know, immersive piano lessons because in three months, you're going to be tickling the ivories up there on the hill, and I better hear something good. He commanded them to worship. We're commanded to worship. He's worthy. Again, it's honor. Honor. I don't feel like it. It's not about your feelings. 
It's not about what you want. It's not about your dignity. I feel undignified when I lift my hands. I tell people I used to be a latte worshiper. I'd have a coffee in one hand. You know, I was latte worshiping. And the Lord's like, you like, you like measure, Kevin. You like a little latte, a little sachet to the side. Why do you sever, settle for measure when I can give you fullness? And so I'm like, no more latte. I want fullness. You know? Yeah. And so then I'd say, I have a self-consciousness issue. And the Lord would say, yep, that's a deeper issue than this. Yeah, you have a bondage of self-consciousness. You're worried about what other people will think about you. You have the fear of man. So you need to get out of the fear of man <laughs> and get into the honor of the Lord. So what does it mean? We honor God in the way that he asked for. We don't compete with each other. We prefer honor means to see a person as God sees them, not see the person as they see themselves and not see the person as, as, as you see them. When we honor, we see this person as God sees them. We don't see them as we see them, and we don't even see them as they are. This is how Jesus was able to love all and serve all. Do you know why? Because he could see them as they truly were. He looked past the outward and saw the heart, right? You understand that? So when we honor one another, it's, pre it's preference, and we honor one another by serving that person as God sees them. You guys are really quiet. I don't know what's going on here. Uh, you, we're not to honor ourselves. We're to serve and honor and prefer one another. We're not to seek our own honor. That's what the Bible says. Don't jump up into the best seat and go, woo, look at me, you know. Don't push yourself into a position of honor. Take a position of servitude and a posture of servitude and allow the Lord to move you forward. This is kind of how the game is played. This is what the scripture says. And so we serve God. We prefer one another. We honor one another. This is, this is the culture of the kingdom. And the Holy Spirit begins to move upon that and begins to bring change through that. When you honor, you'll see a difference in the world around you. When you honor, when you see yourself, as God sees you, it's what a pound into you. Sons and daughters of the highest, start honoring yourself as God sees you, right? Start honoring the Lord, and you'll see a difference in the relationship because the Holy Spirit will move upon the kingdom principles. Second principle is generosity. So it's a culture of honor, right? It's a culture of generosity. This whole kingdom is established upon generosity. God so loved he what? Let's help this room. God so loved he. That's right. He didn't give some. He gave it all. He gave the inheritance of heaven itself. The prince of glory came for you. He didn't send another. He sent he came himself. He's the treasure of heaven. The Lord created heaven. The creator of heaven, the essence of heaven, the, the foundation of heaven, I don't even know, the source of heaven came for you. That's how generous he is with you. Somehow we don't understand that. We think that God should be generous with us, but we shouldn't be generous with him at all. Crickets. <laughs> it's not a culture of greed. It's not a culture of poverty. It's not a culture of lack. It's not. Poverty mindsets, greed, stingy, or fear. We're to honor the Lord with the first fruits of all of our increase. We're to bring an offering when we come before him. I'm broke. When I was down south, when I was in South America, this is something that, you know, I was trying to get a feel for what, what they wanted me to talk about with these pastors. And one of the things was is that they, they felt like, you know, there's just a poverty mindset. And they make the excuse, well, the people are poor. The people are poor. I'm like, that's no excuse at all. 
the widow with the two mites. You guys know the story? Jesus is in the temple. What's he looking at? Come on. What's he looking at? I know it's uncomfortable. What's he looking at? The offering box. Jesus is looking at what people give. And there's a poor woman who throws in two pennies. Jesus said she gave more than all. Do you know what's even more profound? Jesus didn't get up and give her back the two pennies and say, you're too poor to give, did he? Did he? Do you know why? Because honor creates access. And by giving out of honor to the Lord, she enables the access of the kingdom to come to her. I'll give you another one. The leper. We all know what lepers are, right? Lepers are people who have skin diseases and their parts of their body start falling off. So the leper, when a leper was healed in Israel, and so you have to realize how poor a leper was. The brother's walking around in rags all day. He lives out in the barrio at the end of town. He can't, he can't be around normal people. Can't work, can't earn a living, can't do anything. Dirt poor, dirt broke. When a leper was cleansed, when the Lord healed them, do you know how many offerings they were required to give? Not suggested. When a leper was cleansed, they were required. Required. Say it with me. Required. I'm going to help you out. Required. They were, a leper was required to give two offerings. You see, in God's eyes, it doesn't matter if you're poor. It doesn't matter. That, that's not the idea. We, we don't operate by poverty. If, if we partner with poverty, then poverty is where we stay. You must, par- you must partner with the kingdom. And these are kingdom principles that release. The, 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 the leper didn't have any money. See, this doesn't make any sense to us. Why would God require two offerings from a leper who's dirt poor? Because God has done something great and he is worthy of honor. Comes back to honor. Generosity is linked to honor. Honor and generosity are linked to the kingdom. Without honor, without generosity, ready, say it with me, no kingdom. You see how this works? Yeah, I'm so glad you're here, Ali. Thank you for helping me out. I got one. (laughs) Do you see how this works? The third principle is a kingdom of risk. It's a kingdom of risk. Say this, if I want what I've never had, I must do what I've never done. If you don't risk, you will not win. I'm not telling you to just randomly risk. I'm telling you to do the things that God has told you to do. What he has put in your heart, you are to do. Not what, again, I'm going to come back to this, not what's in your heart, what God has told you to do. You must risk. You think Jesus isn't all about risk? He risked risked this entire generation. Do you know who's responsible for this entire generation? Not him. Do you know who's responsible for this generation? You and I. We are the ones chosen in this generation. We are the chosen generation, and we are chosen in this generation. If we don't do it, no one else will. You and I, this is our watch. This window of time is our responsibility. The Christian that exists in this moment in time is responsible for the generation in which we live. True. True. We are responsible. Not God. We are. We are the ones who are chosen in this generation. Equipped and called to reach, to go, to change, to transform, whatever whatever it is. You know, whatever, there's different layers to it, but whatever it is, you're called to risk. To risk. Everything you have is given by trust. Shall we go to the parable of the talents? 
five talents, three talents, one talent. What was the rebuke to the one who had one talent? Come on. Some of y'all, you know the word. You don't need me to tell you this, but I just want, what, what, what happened? What did Jesus, what was, his, what was his excuse? The one who buried the talent, what was his excuse? He was afraid. He didn't want to risk. Exactly. Exactly. He did not want and was unwilling to risk. You are wicked. You would not risk what I gave you. You would not risk your dignity. You would not risk your appearances. You feared loss. You listened to a lower voice than mine. You lowered yourself to the voice of fear, and you refused to elevate yourself to the voice of faith. You would not risk. And the Lord said, you are wicked, and you are of no use to me. Unprofitable is the word he uses. Everybody say it with me. Ouch. We don't want to be that. You say, well, what if we lose? In Jesus, if you lose, you win. Lord, I, I, I shot it out there. I gave it all. Didn't work out the way that I wanted or the way that I thought you told me to. Uh, I gave it all away. I did it. And you know what the Lord's going to say? I'm going to give you two this time. Go again. This is who Jesus is. This is who Jesus is. He's not looking for the cowardly. He's looking for the courageous. And Jesus will double down on courageous. He's got plenty of cowards. He's got chicken littles running around all over the place, but he's got very few who, who will move with courage. Very few who will step up into the gap. Very few who will be willing to cross the Jordan at high water. Very few. You waste it, you lose it. Dude, I threw it, Lord, I threw it down. I went all in on this. It didn't work out. It fell apart. I'm probably to blame. I wasn't listening. I wasn't paying attention or I didn't understand what you were doing. Nonetheless, I lost it. And the Lord's going to go, okay, here's two. Try it again. There's nobody like Jesus. He did not, he would never commend or condemn the person who risks. He does not condemn the courageous. He condemns the coward. Christian, the culture of heaven is a culture of risk. When I call a guy up on stage who's sitting in a chair, who's got, I don't know anything about this dude except there's a light on him. I can see this guy's highlighted, and I know the Lord wants to do something, and I just feel, bring him up here, bring him up here. I risk. I risk. You risk what? I'm in a room of people I don't know. I'm supposed to be there bringing signs and wonders, and I'm bringing his brother up. <laughs> but I knew it was the Lord. And so I knew Jesus was going to back it up, right? And he does. It's a culture of risk. If I didn't do that, the room wouldn't have come forward. So I had to risk me. I had to risk my reputation. I had to risk whatever reputation I have. It's not about that. But for whatever reason, there's a lot of risk involved in that. A lot of risk. We have to risk. We have to risk. If you are averse to risk, you will not manifest kingdom. I'm just telling you. Risk when you give, generosity is a risk. You're giving with an expectation of hope, right? But giving is related to honor, and honor is related to generosity, and generosity is related to risk. These things work together, Christian. This kingdom works together. Yeah? I'm trying to tell you how it operates. Hopefully, I'm doing a decent job. I'll give you a quick story. All right. It's second service, Shelly. Second service. I know. All right. I'm going to go... Eight minutes over. I was only over five minutes in the first service. I was only over five. The second service, they deserve an extra three minutes. Okay. Do you want an extra three? Yes? Okay. In World War II, 
our, our Navy had been completely destroyed, right? We all know the story. Pearl Harbor, our Navy was completely destroyed. We're at war now with Japan. We have no offensive weapons. America has nothing to punch back with. We have a couple of aircraft carriers. They're assessing it. They're like, what do we got? Well, we got a couple of aircraft carriers, and we got a bunch of submarines. And so the, uh, the Navy, Department of the Navy said, okay, we're going to send our submarines out, and our submarines are going to be our offensive weapon until we can rebuild the Navy. So they send out the, off, they send out the submarines, and about six to eight months into the campaign, they were registering no kills. So these submarines were not doing anything. They're just drifting around in the water. And so they're asking, why, huh, why are, are we not registering kills? And they began to look at the captains, and they realized that the people, the captains that ran the submarines were technicians. You know, they liked all the dials and the pretty buttons, and, you know, they liked all the cool stuff, but they would never risk the ship. So they could not gain, we could not have victory without risk. And so they called in all of the submarines, and they changed all of the captains. They found aggressive combat captains even if they didn't know the first thing about a submarine. We'll surround you with people that know everything about a submarine, but we need somebody to give the right orders. We need somebody to take us in the right direction. And in the first year, the kill ratio went up 600% because these were guys who were willing to risk. They would risk the ship, and they would do what they had to do. There's a famous story of a submarine that went into Tokyo Bay. The submarine got destroyed. The captain died. He told his men, I can't promise you you're going to come back, but he said, I'm going to promise you this. We will bloody the nose of this ship. We're going to take the fight to the enemy. We're not here to play defense. We're here to play offense. You can't win if you don't score points. We're going to score points. They go into the Navy Harbor. Boom, they do all this damage, you know, all kinds of stuff. But the point was is that's just a clear example in culture that without risk, you cannot have victory. You have to have risk. There is a culture of risk, Christian. Does this make sense to you? Yeah? We risk into what Jesus is telling us to do. We don't risk into everything. What are you saying, Lord? And if he says, then you risk into that. You risk into that. Some of you are business people. Stop risking with your own thoughts. Stop operating in human wisdom. Ask the Lord. Right? Yes. <laughs> Do what he says. He tells me all the time, and it's still, I don't feel any more comfortable with it, but at least I know he told me. And I know if I make a mistake here, he's going to back it up because it's not my idea. It's his. He's going to back me up. So that's risk. I'm going to give you the last three really fast. So this is Matthew 21. There's four kingdom principles in this little passage of Scripture. You're going to see there's four. Jesus is illuminating four kingdom principles. Matthew 21, verse 12. Jesus enters the temple courts. He drives out all who are buying and selling there. He overturns the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling. And he declares that it is written, this house shall be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of thieves. Then the blind, the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things that he did and the children shouting Hosanna, they said, do you hear what these children are saying? And Jesus is like, I hear it. Do you hear it? And he says, from, he said, have you not read that from the lips of children and infants comes, I call forth, or God calls forth perfected praise? So here's four principles. First, one of the principles of the kingdom is this idea of purity. Now, when I'm talking about purity, I'm not talking necessarily about moral purity. I'm talking about change. So it's a culture of change. So whenever we're not aligned with God in whatever area of our life, we have to purify that, right? If you're not aligned with God in your thinking, you have to purify that and realign. What Jesus does here is he casts out the greed. He purifies the temple. It was not a house of honor. The kingdom can't manifest here. There's no honor here. It's not a house of honor. 
This is a house of greed. This is a house of corruption. This is a house without honor. This is not a house of generosity. This is a house of corruption. My kingdom can't come to this place. I can't bring forth anything here. But when he purified it and drove out the lack of generosity and he drove out the lack of uh, honor, right? They had dishonored God's house. He got rid of the honor and he got rid of the greed. He got rid of that. Opposite of generosity is greed. So he got rid of the greed. He brings in his generosity. What happened? Then he declares a house of prayer. So we have purity or realignment. This is the kingdom culture, right? We can realign our lives. The culture of the kingdom is change. We're changed from glory to glory. We must change. We must be transformed. This culture of the kingdom. Then another culture kingdom principle is prayer. Prayer is a culture. It's, it's a, anybody pray and you feel the Holy Spirit? Huh? When you pray, do you feel the Holy Spirit? Why? Because he's manifesting on the kingdom principle. He's coming forth on the kingdom principle. When we pray and intercede, the Spirit moves on the prayer because the, the kingdom is a kingdom of prayer. It's a culture of prayer. Right? Then it's a culture of power. <gasps> it's a culture of power. The blame and, blame and the sick came to him. Whack. Power. This culture is a culture of power. I'm going to say it again. This culture is a culture of power. Amen. The kingdom culture is purity or change. Getting wherever you're not aligned, reline it up. It's okay. The culture, the kingdom allows you to change. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit moves upon that. He'll actually empower your change. You know what I'm saying? He, when you start making the right moves, he starts helping you. And you're like, oh, wow, this is crazy. I don't have to do this by myself because the Holy Spirit empowers the kingdom culture. Prayer is empowerment, and it's a culture of power. And then it's a culture of praise. So that's, these are the principles of the kingdom. And when we align and we begin to bring our lives into an alignment with the kingdom, things begin to change. You say, well, where do I change? I would tell you the first two are the most important. You must change, you know, don't, don't go down here and start with, you know, so let's start with purity, which means change, right? So we want to change. Where do I change? I would tell you develop honor, and I would tell you develop generosity. And when you develop honor, because honor is where the access begins, and generosity, those are the principles. And when those start to happen, the other ones begin to fall in line. They begin to fall in line because those are the two main ones that where you're denying yourself. <laughs> yeah? When you honor, you deny yourself. When you're generous, you're denying yourself. And so when, you're, when you do those things, those are the most two most important places where I think if you wanted to start somewhere and bringing around, lining your life up with the culture of the kingdom, begin to line up with honor. Honor the Lord. You're here this morning and you're honoring the Lord. A lot of people don't come this morning. They didn't, they're not honoring the Lord. I mean, they might be honoring him at home, watching it by socks and we, with your socks up on the couch. That's all cool. That's all good. But you're here. There's something different in his presence. You understand? And so because you're honoring him with your presence, he's honoring you with his presence. Honor creates access. That's the exchange. Right? Amen. So we'll have a, um, a prayer team available for you if you need prayer. So let's just do this. If you've never given your life to Jesus, today is your day. This is a culture of salvation. It's a culture of transformation. You can be changed. You can come out of darkness and into light. You can come out of hopelessness and despair and come into hope. You can come out of shame and guilt, and you can come into a place of honor. The Lord loves you. Jesus loves you, and he's reaching for you. If you're watching this, if you're here in the room, you're here with a, for a reason. You're here for this. 
And so I just want to encourage you, if you've never given your life to Christ, today's your day. Or if you don't really remember or not really sure if you've given your life to Jesus, today's your day. All of us have a sin problem, and the Bible says because of our sin, we're born with sin, and we're born separated from God. And Jesus came as us so that we could become into his family. Jesus is the bridge out of our separation and back into community with, the, with our Heavenly Father. And the way that we get there is we get there through an act called repentance. And the Bible says, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and he has risen from the dead and you will be saved. It's a prayer way. So we're going to pray here at Elevate. We want to pray with you. We want to encourage you. If you don't know Jesus, today's your day. Let's just pray together. Just say, just say dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Savior and I need a Savior. I may not understand this, but I choose to believe it. So I open my heart to you, Jesus, and I ask you to come inside. I ask you to heal me. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to restore me, and I ask you to repurpose my life. All that I am, I give to you, and all that you are, I receive as mine. From this day forward, I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, God loves you. We love you. Have a great week. Prayer team's available. Need prayer.